Welcome, friends, and well, here we are. The What's Right Show is on. I, Sam Marjofsky, the host of the program, reporting for duty. As per usual, if you miss any portion of the program, go to the podcast, Spotify, Odyssey app, the iTunes, wherever you receive and and get all your uh, podcasts, find it all there. Yesterday, friends, yesterday on this program, I told you that there was a palpable shift occurring. The notable Democrats were, let's just say this, far more uh, open about their musings, their whisperings, that Joe Biden is not fit to serve a second term. And this is really broken out into the open overnight, just hours after I went on air. The Washington Post, David Ignatius, who is, well, he's a f- opinion writer, columnist uh, for the Washington Post, Democrat. He is, this is, again, not a conservative, you know, a, a guy, a writer. It's somebody who definitely is more than likely voted for Biden in 2020. And now uh, put out a piece saying President Biden should not run again in 2024. And the, 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 uh, I guess the premise of his piece, the reason for this is that President Biden is plainly too old. Now, remember yesterday I said, in observing the press conference on Sunday conducted in Hanoi in Vietnam, Biden was very obviously losing it and that this would have some ramifications on everything. But I, you got you to gotta say there's more to it than just the age question because... When you see the Dems out there talking about the age issue, I see it as a punt. By saying it's age, they get to excuse all the other issues and frankly excuse themselves for supporting Biden, pushing Biden, and obviously failing candidate when he ran in 2020 was not well, certainly not up to the task of being president. It was self-evident to everybody. Uh, covering it, and much in the same way that we saw it later, Fetterman being pushed by the mainstream media in his Senate run, his push against Dr. Oz, you had every single mainstream media type saying he's fit to run, he's fit to run, he's great, everything's fine. And then lo and behold, he gets elected, he beats Dr. Oz, goes into the Senate and suddenly openly the same people wondering why it is that maybe he's there having some obvious problems and after his first hospitalization, openly calling for his retirement. This is not accidental. None of it is accidental. It's all part of a modus operandi. In fact, I'm convinced more than ever, side note, uh, that Biden was supposed to get out of the way a lot sooner than 2024. The powers in the Democratic Party wanted, well, they believed, I mean, naively, stupidly believed that Kamala Harris would be up for the task. And they were getting ready to to cancel Joe. That was a setup, right? Kamala didn't have it to get in on her own merit. Even the 
primary voters in the Democratic Party weren't having any of Kamala. But so, so Biden rising and, and getting key endorsements in South Carolina, if you go taking us back to 2016, excuse me, 2020, you can see that, you know, he, he gets to push, the party gets him in, understanding that he is nice, old, affable Uncle Joe. He's going to resonate with people. He's their man to clinch the presidency for the Democratic Party. And so he gets put in. But they, they give him Kamala Harris because she is the, well, the future of the Democratic Party, both in look and resume. And so the plan, of course, is, you know, she's going to prove her mettle in the first year or two, and then Joe's going to step aside. But the problem is, is that everybody, particularly, particularly those closest to her in the Democratic Party establishment, realize she's not up to the task. And Biden now is in a far more secure position, frankly, today than he was right after he was elected. So what with it? Why now? Why are they saying he's too old? Because it's like I, I call it a punt, and I mean that. It's, you know, by saying he's too old, they don't have to get into any of his alleged corruption. They don't have to get into the awful economy. They don't have to get into the FBI and DOJ and their desperate need for fundamental reform. There's no reckoning for any of the bureaucrats who helped sell out our foreign policy. There's no smear on Obama's legacy. There's no reckoning for any of it. There's no accountability, much as they want total amnesty for everything they did during COVID. This is the political equivalent of it vis-a-vis -vis Biden. Simply say he's too old. And it's, it's code for a whole lot of things, but you could boil it all down to self-preservation. None of these political pundits want to admit, for example, that Biden is a deeply flawed president. They don't want to admit that they pushed Biden on the public simply because they wanted anyone but Trump. They don't want to admit, well, it's getting very awkward right now, by the way, hiding all of the corruption. They're carrying water for it, but these people are desperate to see this guy out the door ASAP because there's not much longer that they can withstand pushing back on all of this. It's getting tough. So I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm explaining to you why it's all coming out now. And, and I've predicted this consistently. Those of you who are regular listeners to the What's Right Show know that this is something that I've been talking about for quite some time. Well, this, this by the way, is context for why you have, uh, you have Joe Scarborough basically saying the quiet part out loud this morning. And this is in response to the Ignatius piece in the Washington Post. Because Scarborough gets out there, he's talking, he's Mika, you know, MSNBC, and he's saying, well, everybody, everybody is talking about uh, Joe Biden being too old, that it is the number one topic of conversation anytime the 2024 election comes on or comes up when the cameras aren't on. Listen. Mika and I, uh, everybody we talk to, every political discussion, all uh, it, it talks a, a lot about Trump. But when it comes to Joe Biden, people say, man, he's too old to run, isn't he? I mean, he's not going to he's not really going to run. 
every discussion. When I say every discussion, I don't mean 99% of the discussions. Every discussion. We got it. I asked Reverend Al if he was hearing it all the time on our show this past week. He's hearing it as well. So, you know, we often will complain about Republicans who will say one thing about Donald Trump off the air and another on air. Well, let me just say Democrats off the air will say Joe Biden's too old. But it's a cop out. And it's actually in a lot of ways it's code for he is not the candidate that they feel comfortable going into battle with. He's not the candidate that is defensible any longer. They're done carrying water for him. They're terrified about, you know, the next shoe to drop. The Republicans, uh, more on it this hour, there is certainly uh, a degree of, of new information that's coming out. And, and so, so look, I mean, it, well, I'll tell you, I'll give you the best example of this when we come back from the break. Because DeSantis is making the same pitch vis-a-vis Trump. DeSantis is pitching his relative youth to Trump as a benefit, as a bonus. It's not sounding the same as when this stuff is said about Biden. I'll explain what I mean by that. Let's take a quick break. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve What's right? If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. You're listening to The What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. little programming note here. Uh, Friday, I will be live at the Greek Food Festival. I'll be on from 1 to 3. Alan Stock will be with me. Come out and join us and see us there. Uh, if you should so, uh, so be inclined, uh, hopefully, let's see, what's supposed to be... Robbie, have we checked the weather? I don't know. I, I remember last few times I've done this, it was some of the hottest weather of the year. I think this year is not going to be too bad. Let's see. Uh, Friday, 94. Not terrible. I've been there in the past when it's well over 100 degrees. So anyway, should be a beautiful day. I'll be there Friday, 1 to 3. The show will be live. A little bit of a different show than typical here, but... Certainly always fun and engaging to be on with Alan Stock from Vegas at 8 here on News Talk KXNT. So, see you there. Now, Joe Biden is too old, so goes the ongoing refrain. And it is relevant because I think it's pretext for real reasons of why they want to dump him. Now, I mentioned some of that, right? It's easier to talk about his age, but Biden has a lot of other issues, right? This corruption matter is not going, not going away, and there have been some developments, and there's real pushback from Republicans who are being called out by the media for persecuting Biden based on political grounds. Play some of those responses for you here after the bottom of the hour. Uh, but the real thing here is he's got the corruption problem. He's got an economy that's faltering. We've got an FBI DOJ that 
at least to the naked eye, based on testimony presented by a number of independent whistleblowers, has produced a shocking record of well, White House interference in the case against Hunter Biden and others, protecting Joe Biden family members, etc., from the prying eye of investigators from the IRS and the DOJ. There's no reckoning for any of the bureaucrats who were involved in all of this, right? There's the benefit, right? Getting Joe to go is a benefit of protecting Obama, which funny enough, I saw in today's news that while they're going through all the emails, you know, Joe Joe Biden had that, you know, that email address that was one of his many, uh, I guess, nom de guerres, his his pen names. Yeah, he's... (laughs) He was corresponding with with Hunter Biden, apparently, and Hunter had seen a speech that Obama had given. This is back in 2010, and apparently saw a speech that Obama gave, and 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 he said, "Boy, it's something." Hunter to the effect to his dad sounds familiar, implying that the portion of the speech was lifted word for word from something Joe Biden had said. And Biden's response there in the emails that have been obtained by House Republicans basically responded that that Obama had no grace. Now, I think what nobody's reporting is this may be the first time, if this is true, the first time in history that somebody plagiarized Joe Biden and not the other way around. But uh, I will leave that there. So, But it's, the Dems certainly want to protect Obama's legacy. This, this corruption here, the reason they are denying it so much and saying, oh, it's just an age issue, just an age thing, is because, it's because they want to protect Obama. None of this stuff that's going to come out is going to be good for Obama and his legacy. Trust me on this. Certainly, they don't want any reckoning for any of that. So this way, they don't have to admit that any of their policies are garbage. They don't have to get into all of their woke destruction in America. They don't have to get into any of that. They can just say that Biden's too old and be done with it. Now, DeSantis is capitalizing on this in a way by saying that Trump, too, is too old. This is what he said. uh, Robbie, when did he say this? This was uh, last night on CBS News, Nora O'Donnell, an interview that aired Yesterday, this is what DeSantis said. Age has become an issue in this presidential contest. Should voters worry about the ages of President Biden and former President Donald Trump? I think that's an absolutely legitimate concern. The presidency's not a job for someone that's 80 years old, and there's nothing you know, wrong with being 80. Obviously, I'm the governor of Florida. I know a lot of people who are elderly. They're great people. But you're talking about a job where you need to give it 100%. You need, we need an energetic president. And I think that if the founders could, could kind of look at this again, I do think they probably would have put an age limit uh, on some of these offices. I mean, it seems like our leadership class now in Washington, uh, 75, 80, 80 plus years old is, is where those folks are. And I think that, I think Americans, if we, if, if Biden's the Democrat nominee, I'm the Republican nominee, I think there's gonna be a lot of Americans that are gonna wanna see a generational passing of the torch. This is, uh, this falls flat, okay? Um, and the reason for it is, I wonder, by the way, I wonder if you've, you had the same kind of visceral reaction to this as I, as I did. Because I remember watching this 
And I, I'm looking at DeSantis. I'm looking at him speak about the need for an energetic president. And I was struck by the obvious observation that he has less energy than Donald Trump. He's coming across in this sort of deflated. Well, you know, I think it's a legitimate concern. The presidency's not a job for, you know, Trump goes out there and yes, he's given a few muted uh, interviews lately. You can hardly blame the guy. I mean, they're going after him, you know, from, from both barrels. But setting all that aside, by and large, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Trump is a, is a dynamo. I mean, he has the kind of energy that we all could be envious of, even those of us who are half his age. So this is, you know, I don't like the age conversation. The age thing is a cop-out. The age thing is a total cop-out. And I hate hearing it. Fetterman, Fetterman is in the Senate, by the way, do we got Robbie, we don't, probably don't have that clip readily available. He, he got stopped yesterday in one of the corridors that lead between the Senate office building and the Capitol. He's wearing shorts. He looks terrible. And he gets stopped and somebody asks him about the impeachment proceedings that the Republicans initiated. It was news yesterday. And he did this thing where he was like, woo, oh, ooh, I'm so scared. And then his handler quickly like shuffled the guy off. He's a mental patient. He's a vegetable. It has nothing to do with his age. And the, the Constitution provides for removing people from office if they're, you know, incapacitated. So I don't like when, when, when conservatives want to dabble in, you know, reorganizing the Constitution and eligibility. You know, I know people who are 75, 80 who are absolutely with it, i.e. Trump, compared to people like Fetterman who are in their, what is he, in his 50s? And because of his stroke is, is you know, a walking brain dead person. So this, you know, I, I, and, and, and if DeSantis at least pitched it with some amount of energy, was able to sell it, but he's just, he is just so damn vanilla. So it's, look, I mean, it is, it is what it is. Now, when we come back, I want to get to some of the appearances, media appearances, uh, that the House Freedom Caucus impeachment inquiry press conference generated because... You know, the, the Dems and the Democratic-led media is going after all of these Republicans for organizing, in their words, as they're putting this, a political revenge hit job. And the Republicans are doing something that, by the way, the Dems were never able to articulate too well with Trump. They are perfectly and succinctly explaining why this case is uh, so important and why it's so well, let's just put it this way, why it is so obviously necessary. And the more that they articulate this, the harder it will be for the media to bury it. And you see this, I mean, even the international media, there's a great exchange with uh, Channel 4 in the UK. I'm going to play that here in a minute, but I, I'm telling you folks, this is just going from bad to worse. And the inquiry uh, will give broader powers to the Republicans on the Hill to get at all of this stuff. So it's not political revenge, 
and it's starting to, and, and by the way, and, and, and this is the part that I think even Joe Scarborough refuses to admit, or at least the Dems refuse to actually vocalize this out loud to one another. They realize that, that Joe politically and on these points is a dead man walking. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right show will be continue after the break. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, before we get to Biden, I have a funny story here. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. So listen, uh, apparently for young people, Generation Z people, MAGA being part of the Make America Great Again movement is one of the top red flags for young women. This is 18 to 34-year-old women. Turns out, by the way, men of the same age group are turned off by women with political opinions. Uh, There was a comprehensive uh, study here conducted by Change Research asking over a thousand Americans which behaviors uh, were a turnoff, were, I guess, well, either things that they liked and didn't like. They ranked it, and this is this is, by the way, language that young people use now. Green, beige, or red flags. Beige being somewhere in between, right? So, you know, this, by the way, by the way, I, um, I think it's, you know, I think it's indicative of other, of other trends in, in, uh, among young people. And I'll, I'll tell you quite honestly, when we look at the fight over schools, over educating young people, teaching them correct history, teaching them respect for the traditions of America, putting into curriculums patriotism, you understand that these 18 to 34 year olds are the product of the, or the culmination of years, decades of a concerted effort put forward by leftists in this country to completely indoctrinate our youths. So this is why uh, young people think being conservative is terrible. And of course, they'll grow, many of them, many of them will grow out of it and realize that a lot of what they were taught in school is total bunk, but many will not. So, uh, you know, by the way, other... Other red flags, I guess, are people who say that there are only two genders. 58% of women and 34% of men are very bothered by that, saying that that is a red flag. Uh, People who say all lives matter, not just black lives or purple lives. All lives matter, 60% of women and 41% of men uh, thought that that was that was bad. Also, listening to conservative talk shows and podcasts like Joe Rogan, 
or the What's Right show is also a major turnoff. 55% of women between 18 and 35 said this is a red flag. Um, okay. I'm telling you, it's just uh, the left is achieving and has been able to achieve mass indoctrination of our young people. That's a fact. And it's what they've always intended on doing. They've always, they've always sought to do this. And so when, when there is a problem and parents, young people get themselves educated about what's up, what does the left do? They turn around and say that we have been indoctrinated, that we have been quote unquote ginned up. And this recently came out in an interview with none other than Gavin Newsom, who may well become, well, he's the governor of California right now, but he may well become the Democratic nominee if things continue the way they're going for old Joe. And so this guy may, you know, be very close to the presidency of the United States. And this is his, you know, this is his sort of smart and swarmy answer on understanding where parents are coming from on the culture war. So yesterday in a live forum, uh, this is conducted by Politico, their California bureau chief, Christopher Cal Cadillago, excuse me, Newsom says that the culture wars have gone too far. He thinks the pushback has gone too far against him and all his other crazy liberal friends who want to absolutely indoctrinate our kids. These culture wars have gone too far. At the same time, I don't criticize those poor parents out there that have been ginned up. I've met a few of these parents. I went down to Temecula and I met with the parents. I said, I totally understand why you were out there. If I were told those things, I would have been out there too. So again, back to grace and humility, people are being ginned up. And so I, I'm not here to criticize them, but there's a lot of misunderstanding, misrepresentation out there because people are weaponizing these grievances against vulnerable communities led by DeSantis led by Sarah Huckabee Sanders, led by Greg Abbott. They have a zest for demonization, and we need to call them out. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You can hear the grace in his voice when he says, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. What, what, in, what in the hell is this crackpot talking about? I know what kind of laws they're passing in California. If you give to the court the ability to take my kid away because my child came home and said, my daughter comes home and says, hypothetically, right? Dad, I'm a boy. And I sit her down and say, hell, hell, you're, hell no, you're not. Your teacher's filling your head filled, you know, full of muck. And this is not what we're going to do. She can go and complain to the school. The school will escalate it to the police. The police can come in call the social workers, and next thing you know, a family court somewhere is hearing a, is holding a proceeding on whether I can keep custody of my kid. So when he talks about protecting, you know, protecting vulnerable communities and that conservatives, I guess here, like Sarah Huckabee Sanders and DeSantis are ginning up parents and getting them all upset about these nice things these liberals keep doing. I think to myself, I mean, I mean, are they this delusional? Or are they just mad that they're getting caught? 
I think they're mad that they're getting caught. I also think that the vulnerable communities in America right now are conservatives, people with traditional values. I wouldn't even put necessarily the political label on it, but I really do mean, I, I do think that the, I do want to talk about vulnerable groups. I mean, I think that, that, that a nuclear family, for example, is under attack. I think fathers being fathers, men being men is under attack. I think having traditional notions of roles, of gender roles and gender identity in society is under attack, is, is, is certainly vulnerable. So, I, I mean, I, th how's that for starters? But that's what ideologues, that's what radicals will do. They will turn the whole world upside down. And when you dare fight back, they gaslight you into thinking that you're the problem. And he says that he went out there to Temecula, by the way, Temecula is in California, Southern California, wine country, in fact. And, you know, the people, the good, good citizens, there, parents were fighting there, the school board wanting to be notified about their kids starting to, if they were engaging in a process of changing their gender or their gender identity, being notified of that. And the kid, the, the parents won a battle down there over this. And, um, and so I guess he went down there and spoke to a few parents. And, and sure, I mean, I could see how a few people who are maybe not well, they're gracious. They're talking to the governor. You know, governor surrounded by security are going to maybe back down a little bit in that moment because they're intimidated. But really, frankly, I doubt that there's anything that Gavin Newsom could say to any of us that would get us to change our minds about this. Oh, we we do think that the state has an interest in protecting vulnerable youth. And my answer to that is, yeah, the state has an vested interest to protecting young people, children, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds from being, they're having their genitals mutilated by insane parents. Yes, I do think that's the case. I think that there is a world where we ought to protect kids from teachers like this one who recently went on TikTok to tell the world about what she likes to do in the classroom, which, by the way, this teacher's in Florida. You can see why parents are like DeSantis. Listen to this. I feel like I had to learn the concept of chosen families really young, and it wasn't anything to do with my queerness, but just based on the fact that I didn't have the love at home that I needed, and I knew that I was valuable and deserved it, so I found it on my own early on, and you know, I shouldn't be blamed for that because, like, real, like, blood is, still exists. You were never there for me, and I found my own love, and that's okay, and I think everybody should be allowed to do that, and that's what I fucking teach in the classroom, okay? I always say, give it to your friend, not your mom, because fuck your mom, and I don't know. I just am so sad. <laughs> I am so sad, and I hate my sister. She's a fucking friend. That's all I have to say. Unbelievable, and then she goes on to do a performative display holding fans and yo-yos, and the caption says, the Florida kids are learning to be gay. So with teachers like this, who's the vulnerable community, right? Is it kids that just deserve a chance to grow up normal? That's the vulnerable group. And you'll never hear a Democrat stand up ever, ever 
for a normal, right, heteronormative child. Never. Because this agenda that they have trumps all. And they're to the point now where they're going off the deep end. And this will be the fight if, if I'm telling you, if Newsom becomes the Democratic nominee, bring it on. Because I think he can, as a candidate, is just not going to sell anywhere outside of the coasts. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. You know, it's really simple for me, uh, just as a matter of principle. It's leave the kids alone. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. I love when Gavin Newsom is turning it around and blaming us, conservatives, for getting people all riled up about all the nice things the left is doing to protect our kids, quote-unquote vulnerable children. What a load of bunk this is, folks. It's a quality, a grade A gaslighting. And you see it, by the way, on Twitter, and you see it on TikTok, and you see it on social media generally. The kinds of teachers that are in the classrooms. Listen, I know, I don't get me wrong. I have teachers in my family. I'm not disparaging all teachers. I am just telling you that there are teachers out there in schools who are radicals. They're bonkers. Their whole mission is not to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. Their whole mission is not to stick to the curriculum that is put forward by the district. Their entire modus operandi is to push gender identity, queerness, you know, gay stuff on kids. So, you know, I, what do I want to see? Well, I want to see if there's a kid that's gay, I, I want to see that, that, that child protected and I want to see that child be treated fairly and justly and I don't like seeing bullying. Of course not. None of that. But I also don't like pushing stuff on young kids who have no way of really processing it. Now, I can't play this for you. I guess Senator Kennedy from Louisiana the other day had a, well, Secretary of State, I think from Illinois, and read passages from a book or books available to students there, elementary age school students there. And these books were, frankly, pornographic. It's so not suitable for work. I can't, I mean, it would just, I would beep out the whole thing. It was, it was actually pretty funny to see Kennedy reading it. He's a well, he's a gray-haired old man with a southern drawl, and he's going in there talking about dildos and things like that. And I, it was just, I did a double take watching it. And of course, the Secretary of State there, the guy, the, the, the witness at the hearing said that it was, what was his word, Robbie? He said it was dis, uh, discomforting or it was, it was awkward hearing the senator used that language. What, what, what was it? I, I have, yeah. Um, well, regardless, disturbing. He said it was disturbing. That's the word. And I'm thinking, well, if you think it's disturbing for, for a grown professional man to be reading from these books, 
on Capitol Hill, maybe, just maybe, they're not appropriate for little kids. Maybe, just maybe, you have a problem, I'm speaking now generally to the people that put these books out there, you have a problem wanting to give pornography to kids. It's not the fact that it was describing a first sexual encounter, a gay sexual encounter among, among two young people in graphic detail. If that encounter was described in those terms about uh, it, it was straight sexual intercourse, boy and a girl, right? Male, female. It would be just as inappropriate. <laughs> this isn't an anti-gay thing. This is just a decency thing. My gosh, I can, I, and by the way, I can imagine, okay, I, we can all go back to being in elementary school, middle school. If we had a book like that available, you know, we, you know what we would be doing with that book? Oh my gosh. I, this is, this is a joke. These adults want to sexualize our kids. And then Newsom has the gall to say that we're all being ginned up, you know, by, by Fox News. It's patently absurd, right? Well, there was a second part of, of what Newsom said. I, I mean, look, it was... Uh, he, he's putting it out there that California values are, are important. That's his thing. And he's, remember, he's preparing himself for an eventual, if not immediate, presidential run. So he's trying to make a case for California values. And I say this now as Nevada's favorite recovering California. I don't think this is going to go very far. Have a listen. But this is why California is so essential. This is why we matter. And it's why I'm really proud. I mean this, despite all the hit pieces, headlines, and investigative reporting you'll do on me. Because we do represent something to others. And the values of this state matter. And they sure as hell matter to me. And I think they matter to the American people. And, and so I, I just think this state is essential at this moment to push back against these cultural wars, to push back uh, against uh, these folks that have one thing in common, uh, and, and that is uh, their desire to other and to demean uh, and to bully uh, vulnerable people. And uh, we're gonna give those vulnerable communities voice. I, I really wanna use a four letter word uh, to respond to this guy. We want to demean and to bully vulnerable people when we criticize California's wokeness. What are exactly California values? Letting criminals out on the street over and over again until they kill and maim innocent people? Letting thugs roam free to steal and steal and steal to the point of destroying businesses across the state? Is it giving gender-affirming care to confused, disturbed in many cases, medically and psychologically unsound 11-year-olds, giving them drugs that makes it so that they never are capable of having as adults an orgasm regardless of their ultimate gender. Cutting off healthy breasts, breast tissue of young 13-year-old girls, those are California values. This is, 
this is uh, demented. I, I don't know how else to put it. And so this is not this is not me demeaning or bullying anybody. And I'll tell you, when we talk about vulnerable communities, I stand by what I said earlier. The vulnerable communities in this country now are people who are traditional, traditional families, conservative families, religious families. These are the people that are vulnerable, even conservatives, man. You go out there, you protest for BLM, you protest for Antifa, get a slap on the wrist, you protest for MAGA, you go to prison for 22 years. Don't give me vulnerable communities. Screw you. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. I'll get more on this Biden stuff when we come back. Don't go anywhere. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome, friends. You're listening to the What's Right Show, News Talk 840 KXNT. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. You can reach me at sam at samandashlaw.com. That's sam at samandashlaw.com. I will get uh, briefly here to the ruling today uh, from a judge here in Clark County. Uh, looks like uh, this is this. There's a huge fight going on uh, with the schools. The 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 union has uh, basically been, uh, I guess, well, the evidence was presented today, and the judge believed it, found it persuasive that the union was quietly encouraging teachers to call out sick. This is a sick out strike. It is prohibited by Nevada law. Uh, can get you quite a bit of fines, all right? Tens of thousands of dollars of fines, uh, which, of course, uh, the district, uh, excuse me, the union could end up being liable for. But that was not the case here. Uh, That's not what's, what's going on. What they're trying to do is get an injunction in place prohibiting the union to do this. So what they, what they wanted, what the Clark County School District wanted is the court to order the union to cease the strike and to disavow any of the illegal actions uh, committed by the union. And, and they've, it appears they've gotten that granted. That hearing was uh, earlier today at 11. So big news, big, big loss for the teachers union. These, well, I'm just, you know, I'm telling you, this, this is a, this bad. This is why you're seeing all these stories of schools being closed because 30% of teachers are, calling out. Now, I was on Fox 5 yesterday. Blink and you missed it. I was just at a brief appearance giving my commentary on this. Of course, I gave them a lot of information and they used only one little part of what I said. And it really doesn't relate to what happened today, which is, you know, there, there's, there's an arbitration that can happen down the road uh, to the issues at, 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 at hand here. But the real crux of this is now, based on this ruling, the union cannot continue their sick outs. And if they do it, uh, they're, in real, they're in real peril because not only are they facing their statutory fines, they can also be held in contempt of court. And then actually people can go to jail. So this is a real serious thing and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to report that that's, that's going on. Now, speaking of serious things, 
Republicans on Capitol Hill are continuing to make their case for why there's Biden family corruption and that there's a lot more to this than meets the naked eye. And they're defending themselves against accusations that they're just uh, engaged in political retribution. So here uh, was a fantastic exchange. This is really the kind of pushback that you need. Scott Perry, who is a Republican congressman from Pennsylvania, was talking to Siobhan Kennedy on the, uh, this is a United Kingdom Channel 4, Washington correspondent, so it's British media. And Kennedy says basically the standard line that every leftist reporter pushes onto uh, conservatives and says, you know, what, what actual evidence do you have? What evidence do you have? And I, people tell me this all the time too, right? I hear it all the time. What evidence do you have? Here's the exchange. Representative Perry just deals a fatal blow to this gal. What actual evidence do you have as opposed to allegations to show to the American public that would merit an actual impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden and prove that today isn't just about some of you. Oh, I don't know. McCarthy for the sake of enacting political revenge. Uh, this this isn't about political Trump. revenge. We have the bank accounts. You can see that the homes that the Bidens own can't be afforded on a, on a congressional or Senate salary. You also understand that it's not normal for family members to receive millions of dollars from overseas interests. It's not normal to have 20 shell companies. These things are not normal, and it alludes to not only just widespread corruption, but money laundering, if not influence peddling itself. And we also have the vice president at the time on record saying that the prosecutor was fired. Well, son of a bitch, the prosecutor was fired, right? because the prosecutor was going after the, the company that his son was working on. That's what we have. If you can't see that, if you are, if you are that blunt, look, I'll turn it over to the attorneys. People can't see that. They huh? think it's political revenge. It's because you don't report on it. Bingo. They're not reporting on it. And then what, what the defense that the media uses is, well, the American people don't think that. Well, crap. Maybe you ought to be reporting the news and facts. And not just your commentary constantly dismissing this stuff. Now, I'm reminded of 2016, 17, 18, 19. How all of these reporters breathlessly reported every nonsense, BS, unfounded accusation hurled at Donald J. Trump. And now, look at them. They're just <laughs> sitting here... Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and going, well, there's nothing here. There's nothing to this. Now, Dan Bishop, Republican North Carolina, in the same press conference, brings up a point that, again, needs to be brought up, is why has not Hunter been prosecuted under or investigated under FARA, which is the Foreign Practices Act requiring American citizens to register as foreign agents when they're representing businesses uh, that are based in foreign countries for business on Capitol Hill. And this is something that, you know, earned Paul Manafort time in jail. Uh, you know, he was briefly Trump's campaign manager in 2016. Was, you know, they, they all went after him. The Mueller investigation found that he had been working with people in Ukraine. So fairly analogous to what Hunter was doing and what his buddy there, Devin Archer, was doing. 
But nobody's brought this up because if they go after a FARA violation against Hunter, they have to admit that he was – what was he doing? That he was – that he that's right, that he was representing these businesses, these foreign entities, these foreign governments in some case on the Hill and that he was looking to gain influence from them. And from whom would he be gaining that influence? From whom would he be getting favors? From Joe. That's why they don't want to prosecute it. So here's what, here's what uh, Representative Bishop says about this. And um, it's a compelling point. If you're a federal prosecutor, you would be asking yourself, how can there not have been an indictment for a FARA violation against Hunter Biden? This would be very much the, the basis of a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act investigation, uh, given the circumstances that we know. It's not that you have to prove the case. It's not that you understand to this point, there's not been a single subpoena to a Hunter Biden bank account or a Joe Biden bank account or any other Biden family member's bank account. Because until an impeachment, until an impeachment inquiry commences, that's not a jurisdictional possibility. Well, it would be stretching jurisdiction to do that. Oh, this is a this is it, right? I mean, the subpoenas are coming from the Republicans on Capitol Hill, but they're not coming from anybody within the DOJ. And yes, now we have a <laughs> independent prosecutor assigned to this, David Weiss, the former uh, U.S. attorney in Delaware, who we know has been involved in this from the very beginning. And still nothing. Oh, they're going to charge him. They're going to charge Hunter. They don't want to start pulling at the yarn and have the whole sweater come undone. So there's Bishop, uh, Congressman Bishop continues saying there's ample predication to investigate this further. And I absolutely agree that that's the case. But there's ample predication at this point in time based on that very unusual set of circumstances, which is for no apparent payment for expertise or services rendered, Biden family members writ large received over $20 million. That we know now, of. That we know of. It is very simple for someone just to insist there's an absence of evidence. <laughs> but you, if you can look in the face of that and contend that, that's, you know, anyone has a right to their opinion. What they can't do is change the facts. That's an old Daniel Patrick Moynihan uh, mod, you know, modified quote. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You're just not entitled to your own facts. You know, and, and by the way, did you hear the interjection? 20 million so far. That's all we have so far. It's only getting worse. Do you see now why Democrats might be getting a little bit uneasy with the idea of having Biden lingering on and being anything other than a nice, lovely, lame duck serving out the rest of his one and only first term. Because if his carcass drags into the general election in 2024, all of this baggage is fair game. And one of the best moves Republicans could make is use the impeachment inquiry to drag all of this out, make it public, not proceed with impeachment, and turn it over to the American people for, a, for an up or down vote. That would be the ultimate, you know, ballsy move. You say, look, we're, not, it's not our, we're up close up in an election. We don't, we're not going to file articles of impeachment. 
Side note, we don't want to make Biden a martyr, but here's all the evidence. Here you go. This is a kill shot. And it's only what? We're in September, September of 23. You know what it's going to be like by the summer? By the time we are done with the caucuses and the primaries and we're going into conventions? Do you, do you know how much more of this there's going to be? I'm convinced. I'm telling you this as a lawyer. I, I know when you, you know, I, I will bet real money on the fact that there is a lot more here in evidence that's going to be uncovered once they have the ability to get at everything and they have all the subpoena power. It's just go, it's going to be good. There's a lot more here, folks. It's going to become very difficult for the media tonight, which is why they're getting ahead of it by saying Biden is too old. Yeah. Now, how about that economy? Let's talk about that next because the way they talk, the economy is peachy. It's great. Nothing to see here, folks. And, uh, of course, some more reality on the ground. Those of us who are living it and breathing it and having to pay our bills, uh, we don't necessarily agree with them, do we? Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Grateful to have you with us, folks. It really is, I, I tell you, it's a joy to be with you Monday through Friday here, 1 to 3 p.m. It is absolutely the highlight of my day. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue in just a moment. Welcome, friends. The What's Right Show is on. Sam Rajovsky here, your host. Rarely wrong, always right. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. You get hurt out there, car accident, slip and fall, whatever the case is, whatever the matter is, get some advice from the only lawyers to trust in Nevada and California and beyond. 702-820-1234. That's the number. And of course, I... um, uh, yeah, I listen. This is you, you just can't trust the insurance company to do everything right. They won't do it. You think that you, maybe your agent is a great person. You've worked with them for years and years. By the way, they don't make decisions on your claim. That goes to corporate. That goes into a computer. And there's the AI program figuring out what your car is worth, what the damage is worth, what your you know, your aches and pains are worth your broken bones, whatever it is. And knowing how to fight that bureaucracy is what Sam and Ash Injury Law does. 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Now, the New York Times favorite economist, Paul Krugman, who has been wrong about virtually everything, went on CNN yesterday with Christian Amanpour to declare that the economy is surreally good listen to this the striking thing you know the economic data have been surreally good i mean even optimists are just stunned by how quickly and how painlessly inflation has come down we're you know no hint of a recession at least so far never know but no so far inflation not too far from the you know the target of two percent and all of that just achieved painlessly so this is great this is this is a goldilocks economy um, but it is, I think, important to point out that there is a really profound and peculiar disconnect going on. Polling says that people, and especially Republicans, say that inflation is rising, uh, when in fact it's falling. This is what people think they should say 
about the economy rather than an actual perception. Oh, fabulous. Now, by the way, <laughs> this, <laughs> this morning we woke up to news uh, that the inflation numbers for August uh, creaked up again. Uh, so, you know, there's been an uptick and that's due to gas prices going up, as we are all noticing. Um, yeah, I, I, the problem is that every single person I talk to, my wife included, tells me how incredibly painful it is now to go out and buy anything for the house. I've got three kids now, four actually, because my niece is living with me this year visiting here, staying for the year from Europe, from the Czech Republic. And so I am feeding, let's see, two, almost three teenagers and one growing, very hungry 10-year-old. Well, it's a lot of mouths and two dogs. Can't forget those blighters. Uh, so, well, I'm just, I, I, I just, you know, this is one of those things, right? The media gets on every night, every morning to the news and tells Americans how Joe Biden's a great president. He's a little old, but he means well, he's good. And they don't have any means of independently verifying that lie, right? Or discrediting it. But what do you do? How far can you go in lying to Americans about something that they know something about firsthand? I.e. the fact that you know, you can't go and say this is a Goldilocks economy and that we're achieving our target 2% inflation painlessly. Is anybody feeling painless right now as their adjustable mortgage goes through the roof? People with adjustable mortgage paying twice the mortgage payment that they were paying before? This is crazy. And, and some of this is, of course, leftist elitism because no doubt Paul Krugman lives a very good life compared to most Americans. He's a New York City elitist guy. He's, you know, makes a fair amount of money, has probably a nice rent-controlled apartment, is living the Democrat left dream. But you can't claim to people that it's daylight when it's pitch black one, two in the morning. Can't do that. You know, this kind of hypocrisy needs to be challenged. When we come back, speaking of teachers' unions, we're in a muck. I want to share this little bit with you where CNN actually pushed back against a union president out in Chicago. I got to get into this. And then, I don't know if you saw this, but there is a gal running for the legislature in Virginia. A couple days ago, it turned out that she and her husband were going on a porn site and performing sex acts for tips. Yeah, just the tip, I think. No, anyway, <laughs> it's horrible stuff. <laughs> and by the way, her response to this is, I, I, this is fine, we're consenting adults. And the response is to the people that took screen grabs of this live online for the world to see non-private sex show. People saying they took those screenshots and published them that they are guilty of violating uh, Virginia law that deals with, that deals with uh, revenge porn. 
So let me give you my 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 uh, analysis of that uh, when we return. Yeah, I got to get to the teachers union stuff is great, particularly today when the when the teachers union here in in Clark County got their a money monies handed to them at 11 o'clock this morning by the judge. Absolutely. Injunction coming down against them. And um, I'm uh, here in the breaks corresponding with Channel 5, giving them my opinion on this. So perhaps tonight on the news, you'll see more of me. We'll see about that. All right, Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, 1 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Mitt Romney says he will not seek a second term in the Senate. Mitt Romney is a a Republican uh, senator from the state of Utah, 76 years old, citing his age as a heavily considered uh, influence factor in his decision. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Okay. Let's cut the crap. Romney probably wouldn't get reelected, and he might even get primaried in Utah. That's what this is about. Romney's a spry 76-year-old. I mean, unless there's some health problem we're not aware of. And uh, I'll tell you this. I don't think that's the case. Uh, Well, I'm just saying this... this, He was... He's an anti-Trump rhino republican and and no one in utah i mean save for a few people or have any interest in him he's deeply unpopular so i i don't see him i I don't see this being a successful it would have been a successful run it probably more hassle than it's worth he's got a ton of money he's going to retire he has a number of very beautiful high-end homes and his wife has health problems and uh romney has some MS and so I look I just think that but the real story here is I don't don't think he sees himself getting reelected in this climate I also see can I just point something out too and it it pertains to Romney it pertains to uh, Liz Cheney Uh, you know it's I don't think that these Republicans that cried sky is falling warned us about Trump and the end of democracy I don't think that their, their, their pronouncements and their positions are aging very well, right? The more time that goes on, the more it seems to reasonable people that maybe Trump was right about a bunch of stuff, maybe not, but in either event, the truly despicable actors here are the allies of these rhino Republicans, the people who are on these commissions like the January 6th congressional investigation, the committee, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, so Kissinger and, and, and Liz Cheney in the house and people like Mitt Romney in the Senate, really, they, they shot their shot and, and put two feet down in the anti-Trump camp. 
And the problem is, is that the Republican Party and, and, and quite honestly, reasonable thought is leaving them behind in the dust. So, you know, anyway, uh, yeah, he, he maybe doesn't want to stick around in his 80s. He wants to take some time off, but he also understands that uh, he's not winning the argument. I, I believe him. I think he's, a, he's a, in his mind, he thinks Trump is Satan and he's thought it for a number of years. The problem is that his brand of republicanism, of conservatism, does not deliver for the American people because it's based entirely on being nice and compromising with deranged freaks. You can't compromise with people who want to mutilate kids. You can't compromise with people who want to fill elementary, middle school, and certainly high school libraries with pornographic material. You can't compromise with people who want to micromanage every component of our lives. You can't compromise with people who want to do away with the Constitution anywhere possible to get their radical agenda across. You can't compromise with people who are carrying water for a president who engaged in some serious corruption as vice president and then in widespread obstruction of justice while in office as president himself. You can't compromise with these people, and those that have are tainted by their compromise. These are collaborators with the regime. And Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney, those Adam Kinzinger, these are, these are the collaborators. So, you know, that's, that's that. Now, Virginia is in the news because, well, let's first, let's just understand here what happened. There is a candidate for legislature, Democrat, a woman named Susanna Gibson. She's a nurse practitioner. She's blonde. And I'll give you my hetero uh, opinion of this here for what it's worth. She's decently attractive. What's very unattractive is that her and her husband are performing sexual acts on a webcam, a porn site called Chatterbait. This is a legal website. Viewers can go there to apparently watch live webcam performances that features nudity, sexual activity. All right? And that's, that's the thing, right? Now, the New York Times called this a leaked sex tape. They went to great pains to say that this Democrat running for office is a victim of being exposed by people who want to do her in politically. And the piece actually the New York Times put out there, state house candidate in Virginia leaks sex, condemns leak of sex tapes, right? And, and, and basically took her position on this, that this was a violation of her privacy. Now, what's interesting is I always try to do this here because as a lawyer, I go to the law. And I look at Virginia's statute related to the dissemination of this type of material, right? It's commonly referred to as revenge porn uh, legislation. And I'll tell you, the Virginia law is very broad as to this because it's any unauthorized dissemination of anything that would be considered uh, pornographic, and there's a definition for that that I think is fairly straightforward, but it says that anybody who has reason to know or is not in fact licensed or authorized to disseminate or sell such material is guilty of a class one misdemeanor. 
Now I'm looking at this line, I'm telling you it's terribly vague. And, it, and if this, the people that put this out there on Twitter, and I think it was first spread on Reddit, if I'm not mistaken, producer Robbie, I think it went on Reddit. Regardless, their defense is going to be that this law in Virginia is unconstitutionally broad and that this crazy woman and her spouse both together as adults knowingly put themselves out there, put this material out there, which is the equivalent of being, you know, of, of public exhibitionism. There's no sex tape. There was, wasn't private material that a, a husband and wife engaged in amongst themselves, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, partners, consensually amongst themselves, but not intending for others to see. No, they did this for the world to see it. And so, you know, this is, now does this disqualify her from being a candidate? No, I think it's, probably doesn't i mean whatever like but it's certainly something for the voters of the virginia commonwealth to have a look at and see if this is the kind of person they want in the state house mind you two days ago there was a piece in the times virginia is the test case and it talks about yunkin the governor there who's pushing for a complete gop takeover of the house and the upper chamber in the state capitol. Because right now, Virginia, remember, Virginia was a uh, all but blue state, right? Blue, blue, blue. Yunkin comes in. There's been a bit of a Republican revolution there, a pushback, which I think we should take note of here in Nevada. I think it's possible if our Republican Party could get its SH, you know what, together. But I look at Virginia as, as, as a hopeful example. Anyway, Youngkin's saying that, you know, he's, he's got ambitions. They, they, by the way, the Republicans narrowly control the lower chamber and the upper chamber. Uh, the Senate is controlled uh, by Democrats. So they want full control of the General Assembly. And, um, and, uh, and Youngkin is, is, is heading for this. And so, so again, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because this, th this is... Th this matters in the sense that every one of these elections for open legislative seats in the state of Virginia will determine the tilt of that state. And so the story sort of fits into the, well, the, 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 the it's context, right? The context for it is that this is going to be a, uh, a place to watch for a potential Republican upset, which a lot of pundits are predicting. So there it is. Now, the other person that was in the news was the Republican congresswoman uh, who, and, I, and I, I'm going to get into this now when we come back from the break. Lauren Boebert apparently kicked out of Beetlejuice. <laughs> I, you know what? Let me tell you about this when we come back. This is a report by Denver Post. There's video and whatnot. I think it's... Um, it, 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 I, I want to respond to this when we come back. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Injury Law 702-820-1234. Because you deserve what's right. All right, all right. Sam Marjofsky here. 
rarely wrong, always right, host of the What's Right show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. So Lauren Boebert, Republican Congresswoman from Colorado, apparently kicked out of a Beetlejuice show because she was vaping, trying to sing along, singing, then says, do you know who I am as she's being escorted out? And you know what? I don't care. Because on the very same day that that story has all the headlines, NPR does a puff piece on the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, who's also the former governor of Wisconsin, who um, apparently in promoting uh, EV cars decides to go on a road trip to show that, you know, using an EV car is perfectly fine on road trips, which it is not. I can tell you that right now. Unless you have a Tesla, maybe, it sucks driving an electric car because you're always looking for chargers and some of them are quite slow and your journey is going to be delayed. Well, she is the empress, the king of Kong. She is on the cabinet. She's a, however many, like 30 people away from the presidency. But nonetheless, she's in somewhere in the succession of the presidency. So she has secret service and staffers and people to help her. And according to, let's see here, Camilla Dominoski, a writer for NPR, at one point in the journey, Granholm, Secretary Granholm, was coming up to a charger, and there, well, her, her motorcade was getting close, and there was only one open charger left, so one of the Secret Service people put their gas-powered vehicle in the spot to save it for her. Now, in the world of EV cars, you don't do this. And the people who had a, apparently a, a child inside, and it was a very hot day, called the cops on them. The police showed up and said there was no law against a gas vehicle parking in an, in an, in an electric spot. Uh, and it, but it got very heated. And I thought to myself, here is an actual story of somebody using their government privilege in the Biden administration to get something, to get a benefit, just for a stunt, just for a political stunt. And it gets a, ha ha, oh, isn't this funny? This is just an example of how things are, according to NPR. And then, you know, Boebert goes out on a date and maybe he's a little drunk and, you know, whatever. And, uh, and is, you know, is vaping, which I think is obnoxious as all hell. I'm not defending her. I'm just, I'm just pointing out that there's just an immense double standard, and that story fascinates me uh, for that reason. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, th this is how they put it, by the way, NPR. But in between stops, Granholm's entourage at several times had to grapple with the limitations of the present. They were planning to fast charge in Grovetown, a suburb of Augusta, Georgia. Her advance team realized there weren't going to be enough plugs to go around. So an energy department staffer tried parking a non-electric vehicle by one of those working chargers to reserve a spot for the approaching secretary of energy. And then it goes into, you know, who all it inconvenienced. <sighs> what can I tell you? Now, I like when these people get called out on their hypocrisy, and it actually happened, believe it or not, on CNN. The Chicago Teachers uh, Union president, Stacey Davis Gates, apparently has uh, decided that her son 
uh, should be in private school. She is not the only uh, head poobah of a union, teachers union, to put their kids in private schools. Now, they've got, uh, she and the uh, CTU there have a long history of pushing against school choice because they, of course, she's got the money to put her kid in private school. She doesn't understand that school choice is about allowing poor people to put their kids in private school, okay? Making private school something that is a choice available to all income stratas. So she gets called out by CNN and it gets testy. Listen. You've likened in the past private schools of today to, quote, segregation academies of the Jim Crow South. Why then send your child to a private school after speaking out so publicly against them? I didn't speak out against private schools. I spoke out against school choice. School choice and private schools are two different entities. Oh, here CNN uh, uh, primetime host Abby Phillips uh, starts to push back. Listen. In your tweet, you describe private schools of the North. That's That was literally your language. But you've also said this, um, that school choice was the choice of racists. I think at the end of the day, people are asking here about whether the rhetoric matches your actions. Do you regret your own rhetoric here? Regret rhetoric. Students in Chicago, especially black students, on average, travel almost I, two hours back and forth to school. So the real scandal, Abby, is why in 2023, black families in Chicago and across this country have to deal with such severe inequities and such high stakes. But she just avoided the entire question. She just went out into talking about inequities. Because you know what? These, these dumb race baiters, they, they're, they're so stupid. This woman can't chew gum and fart at the same time, all right? I'm telling you. And so the only thing she can, she's like a little wind-up tool, or like, you know, like Woody from Toy Story. You pull the string, you got, everyone's a racist. Schools are segregationist. You just, you have these slogans that get blurted out, pre-programmed slogans, but none of it's making any sense. She can't even respond to this. And the best part is that Abby Phillip, who herself is black, these women are both African-American, Abby Phillip uh, pushes back again. I, I totally agree that that is a scandal, but I also think that what you just described for your son is choice that you made for your family. And I think that's what your critics are pointing out here. You are making a choice because perhaps, I assume you can afford to do that, that a lot of Chicago parents can't afford it. And proponents of school choice say the state should have a role in helping those families who can't afford it make the same choice that you did for your family. Bingo. By the way, and she really didn't have a comeback to that and, and just ranted more about iniquity. So I, this is exactly right. And this is why I find you know, most of these teachers unions to be so loathsome is that their power derives from a bunch of kids being enrolled in public schools and they and and by the way, and it also derives from having teachers be in positions of of power based on their seniority. That kind of stratification, of course, helps dist uh, helps unions maintain their power at the expense of the student. Now, any system where you don't have choice and you're just stuck with whatever the government offering is is going to be bad by definition. 
That's a provable fact. You just have to be a little aware of history. So the idea, my idea, and many others have been, certainly people advocate for this and are deep in the weeds on it, Christopher Rufo being one of them, real intellectuals that have studied this problem recognize that the dollars need to move with the student. Whether it's a private school or a public school, they can compete and they ought to compete for the dollars, the tuition dollars that are traveling with the student. And you should be able to pay a little bit more for a better school, for example. So the state gives you your coupon, your voucher, and it's for five grand or whatever it is that would be spent on that student. And then the districts and the schools themselves have to compete for those dollars. Now, at that point, guess what? Loser teachers who just want to rant and rave and go gender crazy woke on students, those parents are not going to put their kids in that school. Those teachers are going to lose their jobs. They don't need a union advocating for them. Now they just need to do their work and be good at what they do. So that's, that's the story here. And something's happening at CNN because I, I'm seeing some pushback here against some of this rhetoric. Interesting. I bet there's a story there. All right, folks, we're up against the clock. Two hours have gone by just like that. See you here tomorrow live. And then Friday, I'll be at the Greek Food Fest live and local with Alan Scott. Uh, with, with Alan Stock. And I'm looking forward to it. Man, I'm tongue-tied. Long show, long day. See you later, folks. Have a great one.